Good evening, listeners, and welcome along to the final Across the Line of the Year. It is the 22nd of December 2023. Paul Carroll here, as always, on a Friday evening, previewing the weekend of sport in Tipperary. And uh, you you wouldn't really think it, but there is sport to look forward to this weekend in terms of local sport. We have uh, all the under-21 semi-finals happening tomorrow. There's a couple of uh, minor football finals taking place tomorrow as well. And we're also going to be looking ahead to Munster. They take on Leinster on Monday evening, St. Stephen's Day, in a sold-out Thoman Park. So we're going to be looking ahead to that. We have a very special guest, Alan Quinlan, who I spoke to earlier in the day. We're going to be talking to him about that Munster versus Leinster game and also about how uh, some of the Tipperary uh, professional rugby players have fared here in 2023. Going to be asking him about uh, Dermot Barron and Brian Gleeson, Ben Healy over in Edinburgh, Jake Flannery up in Ulster as well. So we're going to have a nice chat with Alan Quinlan in just a few moments' time. We'll hear from that. And uh, Enda Tracy will be joining us in the second half of the show to look ahead to those under-21 semi-finals uh, that take place on Saturday. And we're also going to be uh, just maybe a quick look ahead to 2024 in terms of uh, Tipperary in the uh, senior hurling ranks. What can we expect from Tip in 2024? So, yeah, that's going to be uh, this evening's show. So uh, plenty still to look forward to. And as always, uh, if you want to listen back to the show, it will be on the Tip FM SoundCloud later this evening. So uh, let's focus now. We're going to start with rugby. Uh, Munster taking on Leinster in Thoman Park, sold out Thoman Park, 7.35 p.m. It's not till next Tuesday, but uh, that is, of course, uh, St. Stephen's Day and there'll be no extra time on, on Monday evening with Ron Quirk. So we're going to look ahead to that game now. And uh, I'm delighted to say I was joined earlier in the day by uh, former Tipperary and uh, well, former Munster and uh, he's still from Tipperary, but former Munster player and Tipperary man Alan Quinlan. So let's hear from Alan Quinlan as uh, we look ahead to Munster versus Leinster come uh, Tuesday evening. Thanks a million, Paul. Yeah, great to have you on, Alan, um, uh, to look ahead to this Munster-Leinster game. Kind of as is tradition, St. Stephen's Day on in Thoman Park, uh, Munster taking on Leinster at 7.35, sold out Thoman Park, so promises to be a great atmosphere. But Munster, I suppose, Munster fans probably heading into Thoman Park with a bit of frustration after what they've seen the last couple of weeks, um, the, the loss there to Exeter last weekend and the uh, draw with Bayonne and the week before that in the Champions Cup. So... This is kind of a, an important game here for Munster going in on uh, Stevens Day. Yeah, it is. Um, I think, look, Munster, they're, they're fourth in the table, I think. They've lost two and drawn one. Um, so they're not in a bad position, I think, in the, in the league. Um, obviously, what happened in Europe, uh, round one and round two of Europe, would be very disappointing. The home game to Bayonne, drawing that, um, would have been certainly very, very disappointing. And then, obviously, in Exeter, you know, on six, 60 at Menace, um, Munster leading leading by 11 points and in a good position and look like the, you know, they just need to see out the game and, and do the simple things well. And um, it would have been a fantastic away result and would have would have got them back on track, really, you know, from, from the previous week. Uh, but look, it's um, it's disappointing. I think in their defence, they've, they've a lot of injuries in the last, the last while. And... Um, they're missing a lot of their forwards, a lot of power, physicality, which certainly would um, certainly be telling in Europe. But, you know, they've got to put that behind them now. And um, I think their set pieces struggled a little bit, scrum and line out and um, just that bit of control that they lost last week. So it's a, a kind of a steep learning curve for lots of the players. Um, but nothing focuses the mind like uh, Leinster coming, coming to Thoman Park. It's, 2018-19 season since Munster have have won this fixture in Thomond Park. Um, 
So it's been uh, a bit of a barren period, certainly playing against Leinster. In the league itself, um, I think there's seven league games that Munster have lost. Um, I know there's a couple of wins in there. There's a Rainbow Cup win uh, during COVID, and there's obviously that that great semi-final win last year in in, in Dublin. Mm. But and I think recently Munster, you know, being up in the Aviva in October, the end of October, um, I think November, maybe. Sorry, November, my apologies. Yeah. In November, um, it was 21-14 in the end. I think. Or 22. Gee, I'm getting the scores wrong now. But anyway, they lost, uh, but played really, really well, and were in. Uh, you know, asked a lot of questions of Leinster. Their attack was superb, and I think it was a very heartening performance against. Uh, you know what? What ultimately was a full strength Leinster side. Um, so yeah, look, people are always enthusiastic about this fixture, and, and it's exciting, but you know, hopefully Munster can get a couple of players back from injuries. They're still still um, struggling with some of the injuries of really important key players, namely, I think, you know, Jean Klein and Peter O'Mahony, having those guys out, Mike Haley's out for a long period of time, and then you had Andrew Conway and Keith Earls retired, so there's there's a number of players there who were very important in that excellent run in la- last season for Munster going winning the URC, but um, they've got to try and prepare as best they can, and, and you know, to beat Leinster, you nearly... No matter what side they pick, you nearly need a flawless performance, and um, hopefully they can find something on on uh, Tuesday night to you know to get a result. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to it's hard to gauge where where Munster are in general because last year you had that brilliant run in the URC and going all the way and winning the final, and then this year you've mentioned the injuries there and things like that, but like the the last two performances in Europe have kind of really stopped any kind of momentum from building and. You're just going into this game. Leinster are on great form. They've won their first two uh, Champions Cup games. Um, after this, for uh, Munster is Connacht on the uh, on New Year's Day, and then they have Toulon uh, two weeks later in the uh, in the Champions Cup. So it's a really kind of uh, important time of the season, as always this Christmas period. But for players, how is it at this time of year? Because games are coming thick and fast, and you know, I'm, I'm sure for players, training and things like this, and 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 the, the festivities really take the back seat. Yeah, it's part and parcel of being a professional rugby player. I think you get used to it. Um, I think there'll be rotation in 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 the three games, uh, in the two games. Sorry, the the Munster uh, Leinster game, and obviously Connacht. They're away to Connacht then, mm. and then you're into that really important run again. As you say, they go to Toulon, and then they've got Northampton at home. So December January is always a tough time. Uh, there's always a tough run of fixtures historically. And not every player can play every game. That's just the way the modern game is. So the, the unfortunate thing for Munster is with a lot of players out injured, they don't have the luxury or the depth at the moment to rotate a lot. So I think in the last couple of weeks, you've seen a lot of players play a lot of games. Um, how they'll manage that going forward, it'll be it'll be tricky because of that depth. But um, you, get, you just got to get your head around it. I think it's different for people at Christmas. Obviously, people tend to switch off and enjoy sport. As a sports person, it's the opposite. You've got to really focus in and make sure you're doing the right thing and and training and and resting properly and and preparing because ultimately, you know, it's the really important games. And um, aside from it being Leinster and the fact that it was psychologically, it would be fantastic if Munster were to get a result. You know, there's four, possibly five points at stake here that you know would would kind of push him towards that top of the table or up near the top, which 
they don't want a situation that they were in last year where they were chasing the the league table from kind of December onwards. Yeah. Um, and right up to the end, kind of worrying about the possibility of, of making the playoffs. So um, it's difficult. You've got to maneuver your way through it. There's a lot of good young players there. And I think they'll look back at the videos in the last couple of weeks and see errors and mistakes and things they can do better. But as I said, when you play Leinster, it's um, even if Leo Cullen makes a number of changes and rotates his squad, he has so much depth at his disposal. There's international players who are not making the, the, the top team in Leinster and they're still excellent players and sometimes that's even more difficult because you have that hunger and desire from the individual to to really stand out and, and be seen. So um it's 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 a tough one. It'll be a sellout crowd. Um it's always a great atmosphere there for this fixture, but you know, Munster badly need to win win this fixture and, and, and kind of turn the tables a little bit. Yeah, because it's it's all about kind of the, the development and, and getting closer to, to Leinster who've kind of overtaken Munster in terms of uh, uh, recent years anyway. But I think you... they've overtaken everyone in yeah. Ireland. The other three provinces are behind. They're probably on a more even keel. But, um, you know, credit to Leinster, the, the quality players that, that they have at their disposal. Um, the school system here is is very strong. And, um, you know, they have that ability to just have so many players to choose from which that depth chart makes a real difference and it's no surprise that they've been challenging for for trophies for a long number of years now and right at the top and every year you know Leinster the season starts from there you feel that they're and even as a player internally they'll, they'll all feel that they're going to challenge for, for, for whatever trophies are available and they're, they're definitely going to be there thereabouts in Europe if not for me, if they're not the favourites as it stands and in the URC, so um, you know, very strong squad they have. And we're just going to step away from that chat with Alan Quinlan for a quick ad break and we'll continue our rugby chat and hurling after these. And you're welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM on this Friday, the 22nd of December 2023. And uh, Paul Carroll here for the last Across the Line of the year. We're going to pick up where we left off with our chat with a former Munster rugby player and Tipperary man, Alan Quinlan. Let's pick up where we left off. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of young players coming through and fortunately enough here in Munster and uh, especially here in Tipperary, we've got a, a few kind of young Tipperary players that are making their mark on the game. If we look back at the start of uh, this season or our last season, let's say the start of this year, uh, Dermot Barron was kind of slowly making his way into that starting lineup for Munster. But if you fast forward now to November last month, he was captaining Munster out in the Aviva against Leinster uh, uh, last month. So he's had a, a big kind of career progression this year, Dermot Barron, and he's becoming an important player for Munster. Yeah, very important. I think he's he, I think he's a mainstay now in the team. And uh, when he was missing against Bjorn, I think he was a big loss for the team. Um, he's improved dramatically. And the finish he had towards last season was, was excellent. Um, and he has that leadership quality as well. So um, he's done really well. Um, and it's an area that they are sh- a little bit short on as regards depth, quality, experience. And he's had to step up. And um, he's done so brilliantly. So really, really good player. And, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, there's a debate going on about the captaincy with Peter O'Malley stepping down. And I think he is the front runner for that job. Um, and he's done brilliantly. So a really important player for Munster, I think. And, um, you know, it's nice to see. It's nice to see Titfellas coming through for sure. Um, it's definitely, definitely important. And, uh, you know, when I played, you had Dennis Leamy and Dunica Ryan and the Fogarty's, um, Trevor Hogan. Um, 
a good a good uh, spread of, of of fellas who made their mark in Munster rugby, and it's great to see that happening again, and, and to see someone like Darren play so well for Munster. Yeah, and and like with his kind of career progression, um, do you think he could be eyeing up a, a an Ireland cap here? Um, do, do you reckon he could he could get to that level? I know he was on the kind of a uh, the uh, development kind of squad there that went to South Africa earlier in the year, but could you see him pushing up to to maybe that level? Yeah, of course. I think he has to. Uh... He has to, uh, you know, have those kind of aspirations, and and um, that would be a goal of his to get into the Irish squad and 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 you know get capped because, but it's a very difficult spot when you think of Sheehan and Keller, the level they're at. Um, it's it's tough. Sometimes you're unlucky with the the depth chart and, and uh, the amount of players that, you know, specifically for me when I played in the back row, there seemed to be just so many quality players. Um, in all the provinces, um, so it can be difficult sometimes. But I think he's just got to focus on playing well for for Munster, and his progression has been really excellent. And hopefully, then he will get a chance. You know, there's there's going to be lots of players looked at in this cycle now through Andy Farrell. Um, I'm sure there'll be more development games coming up. Um, you know, you have a summer tour to South Africa, um, November of fixtures next year. So I think he just got has to concentrate on on what he's doing and and try and finish the season out strong and, and the second half of the season really stand up and he's shown that quality he has that ability I think to step up Yeah and he's uh, been uh, very good for Munster as of late and definitely has an eye for a try as well but uh, another uh, tip man who's uh, really impressed this year and really really taken to, to new heights this year is Brian Gleeson from Lockmore still only 19 years of age he was nominated for the RTE Young Sports Person of the Year just last weekend um, we saw him with the Ireland under-20s this year, putting in man-of-the-match performances nearly every game uh, en route to that Grand Slam and in the under-20 rugby championship. But he's, he's met his debut now for Munster. He's gotten a few appearances under the belt. He's a, a very exciting player for both Munster and uh, Tipperary people alike. Yeah, he is. Um, I, you know, he was fantastic in that Six Nations at the, the Rugby World Championships as well. Um has that physical presence, um, knows how to score tries. He's always on the end of um, close to that line and, and finding a way to get over the line. He's so powerful and strong and physical, and it's amazing to think he's only 19 and that he's still still underage again for the 20s. Um, it's great to see him coming through. I think everybody's really excited about about what he can bring, and um, let's hope he has a, a long, long career and and really makes a mark at that level because I think he has the ability not just to play for Munster but to go on and play for Ireland as well. Um, everywhere you go, people are talking about Brian Gleeson. Um, it is a big step up. He's still only a young man, and um, you know to see him being involved with Munster and playing competitive games this year is incredible at that age. But um, you know it's just important that they don't push him too much and that he gets a little bit of time to play at his level. Um, and I'm sure we'll continue to see him standing out and doing really well. Um, he's an absolutely, absolute gem of a player and um, has a big future in front of him. Yeah, and it's very much exciting. And I think, in fairness to uh, the lads there in Munster, they're they're kind of managing him fairly well, just kind of getting game time into him, but not, as you said, kind of uh, too much too soon. But um, just two more kind of temporary players to look at. Ben Healy, of course, uh, was part of the Munster URC winning team, but has moved on to Edinburgh in Scotland, and uh, since then has played uh, for Edinburgh or played for Scotland and 
uh, in the Rugby World Cup and 27 points I think he got against Romania that day but he's really stepped up for Edinburgh even this year now with uh, I think he had four assists against Cast uh, last weekend um, it's kind of especially for, for myself being from just outside Nina here he's a player we'd love to have uh, kept with uh, with Munster but um, it just wasn't to be but he uh, seems to be doing very well for himself over in Scotland yeah, it's bittersweet when you think about it, isn't it? Um, you know, you want the player to do well and progress and um, get the opportunity. Um, you know, I think he showed last year and, and probably more so after the announcement was made that he was leaving um, the quality he has and, and the way he finished the season. And, you know, he was coming off the bench in, in those knockout stages in Europe and making a real significant difference. And allow Munster to to really develop their attack. I think he's someone who's um, incredibly confident when he's on the front foot, and can pick out passes and can find people uh, so diligently with 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 um, his ability to take the ball to the line as well. So he's had a great start, you know, Edinburgh and Scotland, um, you know, to play at international level. It's strange seeing him with a Scottish jersey on, to be honest. But um, look. Um, he's he made that decision and um, felt the door was a little bit closed. I think um, it's 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 tough because uh, I think he was a really important player for Munster. And um, but that's the nature of the business and that's the game. And um, I think he's done really really well. And uh, good luck to him. I hope he continues to do well. Um, I think he's grown in confidence and you know really comfortable now playing for Edinburgh and playing at that level. Yeah, and by all accounts, uh, enjoying life uh, over there and has, has settled in well with Edinburgh. So he's actually starting at 10 uh, this evening against uh, Glasgow. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that one. Ben Healy there. Another person who's starting at 10 uh, this uh, weekend, this evening, I should say, is Jake Flannery, a, a Bansha native. Um, of course, like Ben Healy, he was with uh, Munster, but he's moved up to Ulster. And uh, this season in particular, he's starting to get a, a, a lot more game time and he has a good chance here tonight starting uh, at home against uh, Connacht. But uh, Jake Flannery, young player, played with the Ireland, uh, was it under 20s? Um, and he's he's kind of progressing up there in Ulster at the minute. Yeah, he is. Um, didn't probably get the opportunities consistently enough in Munster. And, um, you know, he's getting chances now. I think he started the season really well, which is, is brilliant to see because... Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I commentated on the, the Ulster, the Connacht Ulster game a few weeks ago, and I was really impressed with the way he played. He got yeah. a try in that game. Ulster probably should have won it. I think they would have been kicking themselves in the end that they lost that game. And um, you know, he starts for Ulster against against Connacht tonight as well. And um, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He again, it's about confidence, Paul. You know, when you play in a pivotal position like that, you're going to handle the ball so many times in a game. Um, it's difficult to, to, to go blemish-free as a 10 or even a 9. Um, but I think he's really grown and he, he's shown his quality and his ability to, to play at this level. Um, and obviously, you know, it's, an, it's a position that you need to you need to get game time. You need to get your confidence off and self-belief and that. Uh, He's certainly shown his quality and uh, let's hope he keeps progressing. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Joey Carberry in, 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 in Munster, whether he's going to move on. Um, and I think the obvious decision, if he does move on, would be to try and get Jake Flannery back to Munster. But we'll wait and see. And Look, he's doing really well and it's nice to see that. 
Yeah, no, and uh, that is a good point you make there just regarding Joey Carberry, and it kind of brings us back a bit to, to Ben Healy just finally because, as you mentioned, the word bittersweet, and that is kind of the word that um, kind of hits the nail on the head for, for me anyway with, with Ben Healy because you kind of think that, you know, he was his development was kind of hindered at Munster just a bit because Joey Carberry was in that 10 position and it just really hasn't worked out for Joey in terms of he's just been so pro, um, unlucky with injuries that you're, it kind of adds to the bittersweetness to think, God, if, if Ben Healy had just been maybe in more often, he's probably still a Munster player, who knows? But uh, yeah, that is just an interesting point. What What's going to happen with Joey Carberry? It is, and um, you know, Munster could have a problem and they could be gone from a situation of having Jack Crowley, Ben Healy and 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 Joey Carberry, three really good out halves, um, to maybe having one. And the expectation is that Jack Crowley will be you know, he's the front runner to start for Ireland in the Six Nations. So um, I know they'll probably open the door for somebody else. Uh, Tony Butler has stepped up there, but the quality and the experience that Carberry and Ben Healy have picked up over the last couple of years, um, they could certainly do with them them now. But again, it's 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 a tough one to take. Um, I mentioned there, Jake, Car- Jake Flannery, you know, may end up coming back to Munster. That could happen, which would be great to see. Uh, ben Healy's an overseas player now and that's the difficult yeah. thing that if once we're to sign him he's classed as a foreign player so um, I think that's going to be more difficult and obviously now that he's playing for Scotland he'll want to you know stay in, in, in Scotland and play for, for you know he's playing for Edinburgh now at the moment and I doubt if he'll be moving anywhere for a long long time um, it restricts his movement a little bit you know someone like him could easily go to France obviously over the years so um Unfortunately, I don't think we've seen back in Irish rugby, but um, it's a chance to bring younger players through and, and try and find that, um, find trying to try and find that quality again. Yeah, well, there's uh, plenty, always plenty of talking points, and it's great to see so many uh, Tipperary young lads uh, doing well in the professional rugby ranks. We'll be keeping a keen eye on the matches tonight, both Edinburgh and uh, Ulster in action with Ben Healy and Jake Flannery. And then, of course, Tuesday, uh, St. Stephen's Day, uh, Munster at home to Leinster, 7.35 kickoff there in the URC. Uh, Alan Quinlan, you've been really good with your time. Uh, wishing you and yours a very uh, happy and healthy Christmas and uh, a good New Year as well. No problem. Many happy returns, Paul. Thank you. Great to get that insight there from Alan Quinlan, former Munster rugby player and Tipperary native, talking to us there about all things Munster rugby and, of course, the uh, Tipperary lads that are involved in the senior ranks with Munster and with Ulster and Edinburgh as well there with Jake Flannery and Ben Healy. So we're going to take a quick ad break and then we're going to have a nice long chat about uh, the under-21 hurling semi-finals that are on tomorrow and just the state of hurling in general. So uh, join us for the hurling talk after these. And you're very welcome back to the third and final part of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 22nd of December 2023. Now, despite it being that date, we still have hurling to look forward to this weekend. The under-21 county semi-finals taking place tomorrow afternoon. And to look ahead to those games and to just speak about the state of hurling in general and what we can look forward to for Tipperary in 2024, I'm joined by Enda Tracy from the Tipperary Star. Enda, you're very welcome back to the show. How are you, I'm good, and now it's mad that we're here on the uh, the 22nd here of December, and we're looking ahead to uh, games that are happening this weekend. But such is the Under 21 Championship. It's down to the semi-final stages. Three games 
all at half one tomorrow. Uh, in the B, it's Killinall against Gartnahu, and uh, that game is on in Golden, and uh, that uh, Silvermines away at the winners there. Then Ross Gray against Clonalty at half one, and uh, Drummond Inch versus Carrick Swan there as well. So uh, plenty of games to look forward to this weekend. But yeah, the under-21 championship, I feel like it's always been played this time of the year, but it's kind of been made more points since the split season. But there's no other time really to fit these games in. And with so little going on, I'm certainly not complaining about it anyway. Yeah, that's the other side of it as well. Like from a work perspective, we're, we're flat out all year round now, Paul. But look, it could be, could be worse issues to be dealing with. Um, as, as, as you say, the calendar is condensed and, you know, there's just not a time to play it. It's not ideal. It's, it's, it's obviously there's going to be a case on the line of trying to get all weather pitches in the county whenever that would be. But the, the weather only seems to be getting worse as the year goes by. So, um, look, it's it's grand once once there's pitches available. I don't think there's much of an issue, but with the weather the way it has been the last few weeks and months, it's it's tricky enough to get matches played. But look, it's it's uh, it's a good grade. It always has been a good grade, and uh, I prefer to have it around now than uh, than uh, giving out about I've been played in December and not having it at all. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as you said, it's always been a good grade. And uh, I heard Stephen Hassey from uh, the Carrick Swan Club talking with Ronan Quirk an extra time, just talking about how it's it's kind of a grade that it's a, it's a look to the future. And uh, mm. uh, it's, it's always shows up uh, great, great games and great stories very much. But if we're looking at the, uh, we'll start with the B tomorrow at half one, killing all against Gartonahu. Um, killing all from the south, Gartonahu from the mid. But these clubs uh, do border each other. So mm. uh, these two teams will, will know a lot about each other. Um, for for Gartonahu, like they've had a, a very good last couple of years in the club, and I'm sure uh, we we are all familiar with the likes of Damien Corbett, who was on that Tip uh, Minor winning panel and was on their uh, Premier Intermediate team this year. But uh, Gurton who are, are definitely a club going in the right spot. So you'd imagine they've uh, got a good under twenty one team here. Yeah, they're having a great year. They've won a, a number of uh, B titles in the in the mid. I can't, I, I they won fifteen and. 13 and 15 B, and they won the 19 handy enough um, a few months ago. So do you know that the bulk of that 19 team will be will be playing again now for the under 21s. And as I said, Damien Corbett will be the standout forward from it. Connor Gleeson there as well is a he's a very good hurler at that grade as well. So geez, yeah, it's been fantastic here for Gurtnahu and for a club with small numbers. It just goes to show the the work you can do if you if you get the right people in there and they're they're making the most of the players that they're producing. So. Um, you know, it would be a great way to finish the year if they could get the job done here. But obviously, they'll know each other fairly well, Killinall and Gartnahu, and uh, it'll be a, it'll be agricultural, to say the least, if the weather is a bit heavy. So, um, hopefully, it'll be a good game anyway. And Gartnahu will be probably slight favourites for. It. And who are you? Who would you be looking at now on this Killinall team? Of course, Killinall uh, got all the way to the uh, Premier Intermediate semi-final, um, beaten by Thurder Sarsfields in that. Um, just wondering, is there any of those lads on this uh, Killinall team? I know they won this uh, grade last year, I believe, as well. Yeah, I, I, as far as I'm aware, they still have uh, Sean Fitzgerald. He would have been a county minor footballer there, and he's uh, he was coming on for Killinall in the Premier Intermediate this year. He's a big chap for his age, a good hurler. And sure, they still have uh, Park O'Dwyer there. He's he's only young, but he was playing cornerback. I think he's 18. He's playing a cornerback for their for the Premier Intermediate team, and he's a really good player. Um, he's centre back for the Turley CBS team in the Hearty Cup this year. A really fancy team, so he's a, he's a right good hurler. Another another good O'Dwyer from Killinall, so he's in good stock. Um, but uh, look, the Killinall always produce hurlers at underage, don't they? Um, and when you add in the the football, the fitness from the football into their into the hurling game, they're always always going to be competitive and they're always going to be hard to beat. So, um, it, it'll be a good game. It'll be a good game. But certainly, he will probably have a few more 
a few more hurlers than them maybe they should be slight favourites but you know when this weather comes around it it can uh, make things very even uh, one way or the other so that'll be a good game that's it yeah and games often take on a life of their own um, at this time of the year as well so mm. um, if we look at and in that grade it's Silvermines who are awaiting the winners after they beat uh, Galty Rovers uh, last weekend uh, fairly comprehensively so Silvermines awaiting the winners there of tomorrow's semi-final between Kilnall and Gurton who we've both uh, under 21A finals as well tomorrow Ross Gray against Clonalty and Drum against Carrick Swan uh, both of these games are on at half past one uh, one of them is on in Temple Derry one of them is on in Bansha uh, I have it mixed up in front of me, so I'm not entirely sure. Maybe you know, Enda, which one is in which. Um, but we'll start with Ross Gray against Canalty. Ross Gray, I'm sure you might have uh, seen them. They beat, they beat your own uh, Tumivara in the uh, North final. So um, Ross Gray, again, similar enough how we've been speaking about Curtin Who. Ross Gray, a club on the up, um, very much so in Hurling in the last kind of uh, 12 to 18 months. And uh, yeah, they're, they're starting to, to progress very much so. A strong town team. And uh, here they are against Clonality tomorrow. Yeah, they're having a, a good year in fairness to Ross Gray. And, you know, the bulk of this under-21 team would have been playing um, Junior A for them when they just narrowly were beaten by Ben and Hinch um, in the North final um, during the summer. So, you know, they've got good hurlers coming through. You know, Connor Donovan's been very good for them there. Kenny Lee's there. Um, that Dylan Hogan there in the half-forward line's been. He's a big unit, good man to catch a ball. Um, but they've good hurlers all over the pitch. They're a really balanced team. And they were full value to win the North final, to be honest. They were, they were by far the better team on the day. So, you know, they've had a fair break now. It's uh, I, Looking back, you'd wonder what the North were doing running off the, the game so fast. Um, because it's probably not going to be an advantage, really, to Ross Gray now to having that break. And I'm sure it would have been difficult for them to get challenge matches and stuff like that at the time of the year it is. So, look, we'll, we'll see what they're like. The one side of it is they could be fresh and they'll be raring to go. Or the, the other side of it could be that they, they'll be... You know, they won't be very well warmed up. You know, they'll be out of action for so long. So they're going to play a county team that are battle-hardened and had to, it took them a last-minute winner to beat Kappa White Gale. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what shape the teams come into it. But there's plenty of hurdles on good side, on both sides. You know, county have an embarrassment to Richard there with lads that are playing senior, Robert Doyle, Danny Slattery, Stephen Furrencon. So um, very good team. Um, but it, it promises to be a cracking game. Yeah, and that one is on in Temple Derry, so I can confirm that that game, Ross Gray versus Canalty in Temple Derry. And yeah, Stephen Ferncombe with that uh, dramatic 21-yard free to win the West final last weekend for Canalty. So I suppose uh, opposite to Ross Gray, Canalty have a short turnaround uh, where Ross Gray had a, had a long break uh, leading into this game. So we'll probably know at around three o'clock tomorrow who that favoured more. But uh, finally, then we have in Bancha at half past one on Saturday, Drummond Inch against Carrick Swan. Drummond Inch beat Thurless Sarsfields in what was kind of viewed as a as an upset at the time in the uh, mid-final a couple of weeks back. Carrick Swan uh, had a good win over St. Mary's last weekend in the South final. So uh, these are two teams that maybe some people mightn't have expected to be here, but one of them is going to be into an under-21A hurling final. So it's uh, pretty much all to play for here in Bancha tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be a cracking game as well. Uh, Drummond Inch, in fairness to them, it was probably a mild upset beating Thurlis in the mid. Um, you know, when they're looking at their team, you're you're looking at a lot of good quality players there. John Campion, Tony Cattle, um, Mike Fitzpatrick, Cormac Fitzpatrick, who's been very good. He's only he's only seventeen or eighteen, this is his first year under twenty one. Very good hurler and he had a very good mid final. So, you know, that like it wasn't a, a complete shock, but at the same time, 
there are probably a couple of years ahead of, of, of getting to a county final at this grade with the players that have come in, but you know, they're they're going to be going all out for it now and they're gonna be playing the Carrick Swans team that by all accounts they're they're a hard team to beat. So we were talking to Ronan Kirk there recently and he's not in bad admiration for the team there against St Mary's. They're by far the better team in the day and that's against the St Mary's team that won the under nineteen, so you know, it wasn't going to be an easy game for them, but they made light of them and it's going to be another great game that the under twenty one grade rarely disappoints, especially when it gets gets down to the nitty gritty of the county semi finals and, and finals. So you know, it's going to be hard to call that one as well. But um, you'd imagine Drummond Inch might just have the edge. But as, as I said, they probably have more hurdles. But on a day like like it, that, that tends to come in December time, it might be another evener and it'll be a close one again. Yeah, so uh, all of that leads to uh, the two semifinals tomorrow and the winners will be playing on uh, Saturday the 30th of December. So that will probably be the last kind of finals, um, the last competitions running off in the county. Also tomorrow we have... Uh, on Saturday, we have at 12 o'clock, we have the county under 17B minor football final. That's my Kharki Burris against Golden. That's in Templemore at 12 o'clock on Saturday at half past two. The minor A football final uh, sees JK Brackens taking on mine Temple Tui. That one gets underway at half past two in Cashel. So uh, that finishes up previewing uh, the games. Just some other things I wanted to run by you, Enda, uh, before we let you go. Um, yeah. You were at the county board uh, convention a couple of weeks ago. And uh, one of the motions that was passed was, of course, put forward by uh, Conor O'Donovan um, from the club here at Nina Rogue. And it's about the, the hand pass rules so that you can throw it up with one hand and, and hand pass it with that hand. You'd have to throw it up and switch hands or uh, hand pass it off your hurley or that kind of thing. Mm. Just wanted to know it, it was passed and it's going to go to Congress. It mightn't go to Congress in 2024, but it would definitely go to Congress in 2025. Um, it, it was trialed in the fresher hurling league. I'm not sure if you saw any of those games, but what are your, your kind of overall take on this rule? Do you think it is something that would improve hurling? I think it's something that's that has to be looked at, Paul. Look, we we've people coming out after last weekend, the great club semi-finals we had, and saying that there's nothing wrong with the game and this and that. But you know, there's a flagrant, flagrant uh, disregard for a rule that's there. And to be honest, with you, the refs are gone past the point of care and they're they're completely ignoring a lot of hand passes at times. Um, and the lack of consistency comes then when they blow for the odd one here and there, and there's been 15 or 20 in the game. You know, it's just it, it's just something that needs to be sorted out. Um, there's a lot less hurling than there used to be and I've I seen that Freshers final I had to have a look at it. I didn't see I was I meant to go to a few rounds earlier in the year but I never managed it but I've seen the Freshers final and I have to say the players given the short time that they had to adapt to it and adapt to it in a way that you know they're not fouling the ball because you know it's, training and coaches these days are completely ingrained with this short hand passing quick hand passing off the shoulder you know, it's, it's it's hard to get out of a habit like that, especially when it's been 10 or 15 years in the making. And I thought the players really adapted well. And this is fresh as hurling we're talking here. So if you are if you have reservations about coming into the inter-county game, I wouldn't decide the players would adapt very quickly. And to be honest with you, there was a lot more hurling, um, a lot more open. The lads were put, putting their heads up. There was far less lads trying to get through tackles because they knew if they got bottled up, they were going to overcarry the ball or they weren't going to be able to get it away. And... It just leads to more hurling, more traditional hurling. Now, there's still the skill set there from players where they can use the rules that Conor O'Donovan's proposing um, to get the ball away, like flicking it off the hurling or switching hands. Like the, the skill level of hurlers these days, that's that'll be no problem to them after a few months of training. So, look, I, 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 I know I get the get the part from people who are saying that there's nothing wrong with the game and 
the game is in good health, but have to say this won't improve the game further, you know, because, you know, a lot of matches are being decided by, oh, was that a hand pass, was that not a hand pass, you know, and it just looks ugly and it's it's turned into it's turned into a version of football, really, with, with big scores and hurling, so, you know, it's definitely worth looking at and if the convention in 2025 is where it's going to be, I think it gives Conor Donovan time to kind of canvas to other counties and try and get support for it. I, I wouldn't see a pass in 2024 if I went to now, but, Maybe in a year's time there might be there might be some convincing done in the background and maybe trial it at a higher level, you know, other than Freshers Hurling, maybe bring it into Fitzgibbon Hurling or maybe for the league like they did with the the hand pass there a few years ago. So you know, I, I think it's there's merits in it and there's pro, there's pros and cons and everything, but I think it might improve the game long term, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and in fairness to Conor O'Donovan, he's very uh, dedicated to this cause and um, it, it is probably picking up a, a little bit of steam because I, I would have thought maybe at the at the start that, uh, you know, not a, not every, you know, that people say, oh, every hand pass is a throw, but it's not really the case. But mm. there is a lot of, of throwing the ball and it's, yeah, I, I'm kind of growing to the idea of at least trialing this, and I'd like to I'd like to see a game like this in person, even myself, just to mm. see what what it plays out like. So it's a it's an interesting and one that that has come out. It's impossible to police as well, Paul. Like that's the other yeah. side of it as well. Like we're not giving referees a chance. Like it's yeah, because my original thought would be, well, if if the rule is just a clear striking action, well, mm. then just enforce that rule. But then it turns into you could have a game where there's a free every every thirty yeah. seconds, and and nobody wants that either. So it's a, it's a tough balance. So. Uh, and we've been there before, Paul. That's been done in the league there the last three four years, where they've been clamping down the hand pass, and then come championship time, it's completely out the window. Like it's, yeah. re- referees can't win if they don't let the game flow. They're not going to get big games, and if they don't pull the hand pass, they're not. You know, like so it's impossible. Yeah. It's referees have a hard job in that sense, but. Uh, you know, that, that definitely goes a long way to clearing it up if that rule they come in, you know. Yeah, and um, finally, I suppose just before uh, to round off the year, we, if we look at a quick look ahead to 2024, um, it'll be Liam Cowell's second year as, as the Tipperary manager. Um, you'd have to say a good good uh, showing in the first year, got to a league semi-final, got out of Munster, probably frustrating not to get to that Munster final after losing to Watford and uh, getting to the All-Ireland quarterfinal, two-point loss to Galway on the day. So uh, what are you kind of expecting from, from Tipperary next year? I'm expecting a bit more improvement as well, Paul. Look, from going from 2022 to 2023, you could obviously see that there was there was definitely an improvement. Um, obviously, supporters and pundits alike will always be coloured by the, the the last results and the last two games, excluding the Offaly game, were very poor against Watford and Galway. Didn't really turn up in either game and just looked like a team that had run out of steam and... Uh, in the first year of a new management setup, and a lot of demands on the players, you know that that were looking to impress and they were looking to implement a, a, a style of play that Mikey Beavins and Liam Cattle put into players, and it's very it's very hard going and it's very demanding. So I think you know when we're looking back at Clare, Limerick, and Cork games, you know that that was very good performances from 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 the tip team that were coming down with injuries really at the start of the year and were playing from a limited pack as as to what we could have had. So you know, there's, I think there's optimism to be had there, and I, I think Liam Cahill's probably learned a few lessons in that, in that uh, side of things as regards um, weaning players into that heavy training and and trying to get them right for for the latter stages of the championship. Even I know it was his first year and he was trying to make an impression early, so you can understand where that was coming from. But um, I think he'll be a bit more cute next year, and um, and he'll be trying a lot more players as well. There's a good few players 
been tried, obviously, in the last few weeks, so it'll be interesting to see who he brings in. But, look, uh, the base was made there in the first three rounds of Munster. I think the, when you're looking back, especially at the Limerick performance, it was very good, like, for, for large parts of it. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be optimistic about there. And I think we've we've only, we've lost only, only lost Seamus Gannon, this is me, but, um, you know, there's still the bulk of that team there, so for next year, so, you know, there's a lot to be optimistic about. I, we're as good as any of the other Munster counties other than Limerick, really, are probably just a bit ahead, but, you know, getting out of Munster is a realistic goal, and having a good league campaign wouldn't do any harm either. Yeah, and uh, of course, Niall O'Mara retired as well, but it, yeah, he, he Niall, didn't yeah. uh, feature uh, last mm. year much due to injury. But yeah, that's uh, it's it's just around the corner now. It's uh, the 7th mm. of January. Uh, uh, tip get their Munster Hurling League underway. So it's just around the corner. Hard to believe already. But um, we have plenty to, to look forward to in 2024. And I'm sure we'll be talking to yourself, Enda, about that in the near future. So uh, thanks for everything over the year, Enda. Uh, joining us on Across the Line numerous occasions, looking ahead to all the hurling action. And uh, I wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You too, Paul. Always a pleasure. So there we go. That's pretty much going to do it for this year of Across the Line here on Tip FM. Many thanks to uh, all the guests throughout the year, uh, anyone who's listened into the show um, throughout the year. I've very much enjoyed hosting this show this year and look forward to doing so uh, in 2024 as well. As I mentioned, it is the last show of the year, but it's not the last uh, Tip FM sports show of the year, that's for sure, because on uh, St. Stephen's Day, the 26th at 11 a.m., uh, I will be going down through all the year's sport uh, with the Tip FM Sports Review. Going to be looking back on all the best moments of the year. We're going to be hearing from commentary bits from the year and things like that. So if you're into your Tipperary sport, it is well worth the listen, uh, in my opinion anyway. That's the Tip FM Sports Review, 11 a.m. on St. Stephen's Day. And if you miss out on St. Stephen's Day, it will be also aired on uh, Monday the 1st, so New Year's Day at 6 p.m. So uh, that's the sports review. We also have the Tip FM sports quiz coming up. This is on the 27th. So uh, December the 27th, that is Wednesday, December 27th at 5 p.m. That's the Tip FM sports quiz. It's uh, Enda Tracy, who we just heard from, Roland Quirk and Stephen Gleeson uh, battling it out. I'll be the quiz master. And if you're into your Tipperary sport, uh, I very much uh, recommend tuning into that. So that's the Tip FM sports quiz, the 27th of December at uh, 5 p.m. So there we go. That is the end of the show, the end of the show for today and for this year. Many thanks for you for tuning in. I'm wishing you all the very best, uh, a very best Christmas. Merry Christmas, I should say, and uh, a very happy new year as well. So for me, uh, thanks for tuning in and we will chat to you on Across the Line in the new year. Bye for now.